0: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 95, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, not Lorax-approved. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Dumbluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, and Mason Smith. Say hello, everyone.
1: Hello, everyone. Perfect.
0: I fell for that. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who are new to our show, the Animation Addicts podcast is a show about Animated films. We are devoted and we are obsessed with the world of animation. So, this episode and this podcast really gives us an opportunity to geek out and fangirl and fanboy about the films that we love. And we were sort of doing, it seems like we've done quite a few films that deal with environmentalism recently, on and off. And so, of course, we had to hit one of our favorites, which is Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. So, that is the movie that we are going to be reviewing today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, this- can
0: I just say? It's not as bad as I, guess people, <laughs> I I thought it would have been. Even though I liked this I, when I was younger. You well, kind of after think, our
1: like, after like our discussion on What's Upon a Forest, like I wonder if some of our listeners were like, you know, all excited to hear what I had to say about this film, be like, oh, Mason's gonna hate this film because he's Mason.
2: <laughs> but you
1: but you know what? I I hate to disappoint you, or maybe I won't disappoint you. But I actually kind of had a fun time watching it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You know, I still want a diesel car, but um, I, uh, it, well, it's a t- clean burning diesel, but um, it wasn't that bad. And I think, I think this will be a good surprising episode for all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the thunder tube. <laughs> There's been a lot of thunder here in Texas. We've no, literally had rain. Too. We've yeah, literally had rain for 14 too. days, 14 Whoa. days straight.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Arizona doesn't have rain like that, but.
1: Well, according to this movie, the trees make the clouds, and so um, I'm going to go chop down a few trees after this episode so that it won't rain as much anymore down here. <laughs> I mean, we're out of the drought, you know? Yes. We can, we can start chopping down trees again, <laughs> lighting fires, you know?
0: So we also have another update. Can we talk about Patreon? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So we also have another update that is really, really exciting. We have officially launched our first Patreon page. So for those of you who don't know, Patreon is a platform that allows content creators to basically to get paid for the work that they provide for free. Those who want to provide a little extra and get some perks while they're at it, uh, they're able to support these content creators, basically which gives them the ability to put even more content out there. We at the Animation Addicts Podcast, we have been very, very consistent about releasing an episode every two weeks for the past three years. And I, I've been very proud about that. You know, you don't go two or three months without an episode. We put a lot of time into these episodes episodes and making sure that we deliver them for you guys the listeners so you can hear us talk about a new animated film um, but we haven't been able to go weekly and we haven't been able to, you know, do this news show that we've been talking about. And with Patreon, this allows us to get compensated for the time that we're putting into the podcast and which will also allow us to do even more podcasts for you guys. Uh, it's really, really awesome. I'm a patron myself of a different podcast. And basically the reason I'm a, a patron of that podcast is if that podcast went away, my life would just it'd be very sad. So <laughs> I just donate a certain amount a month. And I'm very happy. I, I have lots of perks that, that happen and with the Rotoscopers uh Patreon, there are, are tons of perks that we are giving for supporting us at different levels. We have a patron only Facebook group, so that way you can interact with us, the hosts and the other patrons and just you know, get to know the community that much more. We have monthly call in shows where you guys can call in and ask us anything and we can just it's basically like a free form show where we can just talk and nerdy couch discuss and all sorts of things. And then, you know, there are even more perks uh, as you donate at a higher and higher level we're just doing a monthly contribution level instead of per episode because some of our goals is once we reach a certain level per month we're going to start releasing on a weekly basis we're going to start doing a news show so all that information is at rotoscopers.com slash patreon or rotoscopers.com slash patron uh, and you can check it all out we have an awesome video that the three of us worked on explaining patreon a little more i'm just so excited about this what are you
2: guys oh, i'm so excited
1: yeah, well, you'll see in our, our Patreon pitch video that, um, you get to see us like, you know, like in our houses, like hanging, like walking around and in our natural element. And, uh, basically what this Patreon like subscription will do is bring you like closer to us. If you can't get enough of me, Morgan and Chelsea, then this Patreon is really for you because you're going to get even more content than normal. It's, it's not that the podcast or the, or our, you know, our YouTube videos or the site is going to change at all. Like we're still going to have our presence there. But if you want even More rotoscopers, then we invite you to participate in our, in as a patron of the rotoscopers.
0: Absolutely. And it's still free. Everything that we're doing now is still going to be free. This is an obligation for, you know, the show to continue. It's for those (laughs) who just want a few extra perks and want to see the show grow ultimately. So on that note, let's jump into our nerdy couch discussion.
3: The logic is erratic potato in a jacket
1: in the That's right, folks. We rarely have a nerdy couch discussion anymore these days. I, I, I feel like we have plenty of small nerdy discussions in within the main discussion of the episode like re- within the stuff that we review. but it's been a while since we've taken the time to have like a, a you know a set aside themed discussion on the nerdy couch.
2: It's a yeah, it's a missed
0: couch. Oh. I know. I miss my butt grooves.
4: This is a- us. <laughs> yes. Anyway, off
0: my I felt that like- this was a perfect film to have a nerdy couch discussion because we're always talking about environmentalism in animated films. I mean, when you think of the '90s, half the movies have some sort of environmental theme or yeah, environmentalism. It's
1: or-, <laughs> or Environment
0: or Captain Planet, right? Both. <laughs> He's a hero. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, anyways, I just wanted to break, just, you know, everyone sit on their couch, let's talk about this theme. You know, we did do an episode a while back, Once Upon a Forest, which also is very heavy on this theme. But there's lots of movies, not only in the 90s, but, you know, before and after that focus on this. And so I thought it'd be a great time for us to sit down and and chat through them, which ones worked, didn't work, common themes. So let's get at it. Hmm.
1: A lot of our listeners probably already know my position on environmentalism in films, but, uh, I, I took a uh, watership down as an example of, of an interesting side of it where, um, the humans aren't like the main antagonist, you know, you know, hell bent on destroying the environment and stuff. And it's up to the bunnies to stop them. They're just kind of like added to the list of things that want to kill the bunnies. And they make a few comments on, how, you know, uh, you know, human expansion will never stop until it's filled the whole earth and that it's wasteful and destructive. And then it goes through the horrors of land development and, and how it destroyed this bunny lair. And so that was an interesting take. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I can't think of a lot that were like blatantly conservationalist or environmentalist. Maybe oh. the Lorax.
2: Oh, definitely the Lorax. See, um, As I was watching this movie, I just kept thinking of all these movies that kind of took from it. See, Ferngoli was probably the very first of my recollection that was complete conservationalism, um, Mm -hmm. environmentalist. And that was just my whole outlook on this film that's... but. As I watched it this time, I just kept thinking, like, wow. For being only 76 minutes long, it still managed to pack in all of the story elements of so many other environmentalist films later on. Like, the songs may differ, but the story is the same. So, um, later on, Once Upon a Forest... You know, they came the year after, and it's like kind of put out the thing of like not all humans are bad. And then later, obviously for me, it was like Pocahontas. Come on, can you hear the colors of the wind and hear the trees talking? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Also,
1: grandmother Willow.
2: Yeah, totally. But she doesn't
1: die. You
2: know. No, she doesn't disappear into a million specks of of dust. But in Epic, the Mystic Lady fades oh, into. Oh, that's right. You know, does the exact same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that was very similar to to Gully with the you know the Mystic Magi mother, uh-huh. and then, or what's her name, Maggie or Magi. Magi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Epic wasn't so much about about you know the forest versus man. It was like. Um. Oh, who is the villain in Epic? Mandrake. Yeah. Mandrake wants to spread his fungus and his, like, natural destruction. Right. And so it's like, it wasn't as poignant, I guess.
2: But f- my roommate had the family fun edition of this DVD, which had a, a bonus d- disc of all of the of making of of Fringoli. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in the making of, it goes on to say that the story of Hexus actually comes from some Australian legend, that there's this actual n- destruction, this creature that lives inside the volcano that will come out and destroy everybody else. So this movie was kind of their way of saying that the Earth's natural destruction coupled with man's desire for destruction will be a terrible combination. Um, so I, I put those two together very
1: much. Well, all right.
2: And then Rio 2. The loggers.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get all that. So th- they'll see. You know, it seems like Ferngully, like, there were obviously films with conservational messages before Ferngully, but I feel like this was, like, the biggest and the loudest uh, up until that point.
2: I believe and, so, um, yeah.
1: And there's so many films that, like, take elements from it. Yeah, like, sure, Pocahontas, but, like, Avatar. Um, that was, like, it had so many parts that were like Ferngully. Yeah, yeah. Down to the becoming one of them, you know, thing and like living amongst them and learning their ways. Element, you know, down to the giant tree that they all hide in. The
2: <laughs> it's true.
1: So it seems like all those films have like similar themes. to so Ferngoli, to where to where it you know, it's almost like it's not copying of it, but it seems very derivative of Ferngully.
0: Yeah, and it might just be like part of this topic. The topic of saving the environment, saving the trees, save the rainforest all maybe have certain elements that, okay, if you're going to do a movie about it, you have to include, you know, person shrinks down to, you know, fairy size, blah, blah, blah. If we could live whatever. amongst them. Yes. If we could live amongst them, then we could see their point of view. Like I feel that's uh, a topic that, you know, helps you better understand like, oh, I don't want to pollute anymore because there's animals that... I'm not trying to say that I'm, like, against, you know, or for pollution. I'm just saying that is a topic that we seem to see in films about conservationalism. Sure. But I was thinking of a few other movies, and they're not necessarily, like, environmentalist films per se in the way that Fern Gully is, but just bear with me. So there is Pompoco. Which I don't know is a more of a, it's a lesser known Studio Ghibli film. And it's very much like Watership Down in the fact that there's these kind of raccoons called Tanuki who are trying to save their, their land basically from Japanese urbanation. So, you know, urbanation, logging, those sort of fall in line. And so they try to like fight back against the humans by using like magical powers and a bunch of stuff. It's, it's very odd. Um, you know, but that's, you know, a perspective of people are taking our lands. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Ah yes. Nature versus in the which nature itself
1: is totally violated. Absolutely. The very spirit of the forest.
0: Um I could see it a little bit in Finding Nemo. You
1: know? Well, yeah, I th- I feel like finding Nemo and then Finding Dory, I think, has this I don't know if the plot got leaked to me or if it was just speculation, but I think I know it happens at the end and it has to do with like, you know No spoilers! I'm trying to say it in a way that won't spoil it, but I guess I can't. It has a conservationist <laughs> message.
0: Which I'm not surprised, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: well, you know, Pixar, you, you mentioned Pixar. Pixar's kind of funny because it it seems like a lot of its films like make... Some films, yes, are have a blatant message about the impact of urbanization and human growth. And, of course, you have WALL-E, you know. That, uh, is not subtle at all in how it portrays human waste and, uh, how far it can, how far it can go. And then there are other films that are more subtle that just have a few references to it, you know, like Fine Nemo, you know, humans have a talent for capturing and exploiting living creatures. And, um, and then, uh, what's another one? Like, like up, it kind of takes a stab at, at how, you know, urbanization and, and, City growth and stuff like that, and how they want to tear his house down, and then, uh, then there's cars that just has no no references at all to saving the environment. They're all gasoline cars.
4: (laughs) Well, no, there's
0: in cars too. There's the fact that they're moving to the electric car or like this alternative form. Of energy, you know, and it's all against big oil because the oh, global right. villainous big oil ring is the one that you know is getting all the, all the money. Down,
1: uh, all the broken down fiat's are the bad cars that want, want yeah, to their oil money.
0: Yep, yep. I forgot
1: about that element. I just remember explosions.
0: Yeah, so it's very green. That, that movie, when you think of it, it's very like pro-green, pro, you know, you know, new ways of finding energy and whatnot, which is kind of what these movies in the early 90s were. Just, we have a different talking point. You know, we can talk about green, we can talk about new energy, whatnot. Electric cars. I don't think that was something that was really, uh, progressed too much back in the 90s. Um, another one is Ponyo. Uh, this is one that is very, very, Prominent people have asked us to do this a long time. Uh is like this little fish. And she lives in the ocean and she's constantly surrounded by pollution around her home. And the humans in that movie, they don't take, they don't, they take the ocean and the sea for granted. They think it's as a, it's like a nuisance in the fact that it, you know, it floods their island homes and they don't really recognize the power of the ocean and how it's this great natural resource. In that film, it's just like, uh, the ocean, it's always getting in the way and people are just polluting it as a result. So. You know, that's uh, Pseudo Ghibli very much. But we've already listed, you know, three different films of theirs. This is a um, kind of a message they like to talk about yeah. in their films.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of them. Oh, uh, when, I, when I took a film class at BYU, we watched an animated film called The Man Who Planted Trees. Have you ever watched that?
0: No. No.
1: It's really, it's, it's old, but it's not like super old. Then no, I'm not
2: interested. No. <laughs> <Just kidding.
1: laughs> I don't know. And then, the whole, the whole film's animated, but it's animated, uh, with, uh, it has a very painterly quality. In fact, I, I, I think that every frame was literally hand painted. And it's a, I forget the story, but, um, it's about a man who planted trees and it, it talks, it, it obviously has some sort of like, uh, the kind of spiritual metaphor behind the planting of the trees and stuff like that. But I, I do remember that. And then there was a, a Lorax back in the day, like before they made the CG one. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. why do you think
0: we've seen so many of these animated films that are focused on this topic? Do you feel that, is it because animated films and films in general kind of give someone a platform to talk about their message? Mm. Or is it just because it was a hot bu- button topic at the time? Like, why so many?
1: Well, as far as a hot button topic, topic, I don't think there'll be a time when environmentalism will ever not be a hot button topic. I think it's, uh, you know, a sentiment in in our society that is here to stay. But um, I think you were right when you said um, that animation as a storytelling medium is can is definitely a platform for exploring and addressing issues and views that are important in the world today, and. Um,
2: I'm just going to say, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it goes to kids or at least people think of it as something to kids. And so they like want to start people young thinking about these things, thinking about how, you know, we need to not pollute the earth and ho- thinking about how we need to plant seeds and mystical ladies fade into nothing every once in a while and you know these things we need to think,
4: think about the fairies, don't,
2: <laughs> don't
0: kill the fairies
1: <laughs> yeah think exactly. of the fairies well
0: <laughs> I don't have unicorns anymore hello exactly I think that
1: I think that's a really good point Chelsea because for better or worse um, like kids are susceptible to messages, you know, in, an, in, a cart, in a cartoon film, like it can be done. And in as much as producers still believe that animation is a, is a kid's medium, um, it can be used to, to propagate certain views, uh, viewpoints and calls to action. And, um, you know, of course, it's up to the parents whether they agree or disagree with it. I haven't really come across an animated film that was like blatantly, like totally opposite of my views. It, some of them were just annoying by how obnoxious they were. And that's really that's really
2: my beef with the whole thing. Like honestly, I don't have my views are not contrary to what a lot of these thing, a lot of these movies want to share. But for me, it was it's almost like I just get annoyed with the fact that it's just the same plot elements over and over. And I just feel like, come on, it's the easy way out. You're okay. I'm sorry. It's the loggers. Yep, the loggers are the one that the end. They're it's like you know the butler. The butt was the butler always done it.
0: Well, yeah, but how is this different from any other type of, you know, film, you know, a horror film? There's always these stereotypical elements that, or a romance film, you know, they're they're going to fall for so each always, other. The then, bad
1: guy's always the guy with the mustache. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's all
0: these things in films that we're always going to see. And within this, you know, subset of films being environmental films, I think there's just certain elements that you have to hit because you necessarily, yeah. you want to hit them or they just will help you. Share your story a little more. Well, I don't if know. We dive,
1: if we want to dive more into the the theme or like the element of like the villain in these films with a you know a conservationalist message, I think like the slide rule of tolerance for Mason is whether <laughs> or not they completely vilify mankind by default yeah. as as inherently destructive, wasteful, selfish, lazy creatures or if they separate the careless and the neglectful ones who are poor stewards of the Earth uh, versus the ones who um, strive to maintain some sort of balance or give back to the Earth after it has been taken away from. Yep. The way I see it, the Earth is a resource. There's no reason you shouldn't do your best to replenish that resource yourself for future generations after using the resource. And so, contrary to what I thought coming into this this viewing, this was like the second time I'd watched Ferngolia in my life, the first time being when I was like four or five. <laughs> um, I felt like it struck, I, I felt like it was pretty, I felt like myself as a homo sapien, I was well represented in the film, <laughs> and um I guess I'll talk about that when we get to it in the in the film, but I thought this was a good discussion because I think we've what we've discovered is that there are varying degrees of how in your face the environmentalist message is like I'd like a mess I'd like a moral like this in an animated film to supplement my own thinking and my own ideology, not necessarily replace it and I don't want I don't want the same for my children, no matter what the message is.
0: Yes, this harkens back to Chelsea, I believe it was episode two when we were talking about <laughs> Lorax, the news that they were making this movie the Lorax. Lorax and she approved said, <laughs> She's like I just I don't like it when a moral is being spoon fed to me. Like, she's like, don't get me wrong. I like trees. I, do. I love trees. But <laughs> I just okay. don't want you to force feed the idea that I need to love and plant trees, right? Am I right, Chelsea? You're totally right. And I think right. that goes exactly with what Mason said. You know, with these films, yes, it's great to have a message. That's the whole point of telling a story is because you have something you want to share, an idea, a thought, an ideology. However, when it's so in your face, it comes off very, uh, dis- just a bit, dis- not disgusting. Oh Contrived. God, not it just Contrived. It not the worst. Contrived. Because then I can't, I feel like you are forcing something on me and I can't just enjoy the film and then make my own opinions based on what you've presented. It's, it's sort of like documentaries that are so one-sided. I almost don't want to watch them because I'm like, well, I know you're leaving a lot out. Right. So. Mm-hmm. That,
1: what, that's if, have... what if Michael Moore made an animated film? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, on the flip side, if they made an a- animated film about how Texas is the greatest place on Earth, then, yes, I would be fine with it no matter how <laughs> in your face it was. So that, that's there you have it, a, ladies and gentlemen. That's kind of the thing with, the, with us.
2: <laughs> and There you go.
1: Just beyond your dreams, there
5: is
2: a secret world. Where every sound is a song, every tree a home, and humans exist only in fairy tales.
4: Until now. Are you really a human? Last time I checked. This is a tale of a magical place where high-flying creatures... I'm blind! <laughs> <No>. I can <laughs> see! It's a miracle! we
5: ...will reach deep into your
4: heart. I'm Zach.
2: 20th Century Fox invites you to witness
4: the wonder. This is so
2: incredible.
4: Spread the word. How can
5: you live without trees? And
4: plant the seed to save a place called
2: Fern Gully, the last rainforest.
0: Jump into our main discussion. If you haven't figured out yet, we are talking about the nineteen ninety-two animated film, which is called Ferngully The Last Rainforest.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you want to talk about Ferngully and discuss it with your friends specifically on the internet, don't be a noob and say it as two words. Ferngully is all one word, you know? Yeah. Like when yeah. Harry Potter's like Diagonale. How do you say diagonally? That's what I thought. Yeah, and also the last rainforest. Can we talk about that? Apparently, this film is set in an alternate universe where there is but one rainforest left on Earth.
0: Yeah, I was going to talk about that because I'm like, mm, even in the '90s, there were plenty of rainforests left.
1: Well, it's not like there are more rainforests now. There's plenty less since the '90s, but but yeah, I mean, there's there's a rainforest in India. There's a rainforest in Africa. There's tons uh, in South, South America, America, Central America. There's tons jingles, but yeah. Um, I even heard there's one in Canada, but i yet to confirm that there's a rainforest in Canada, hmm. but you know, there might be. So Sounds
0: let's like- talk about this film and a little a little backstory for you. So it was released April 10th, 1992. It is 75 minutes long, which I personally appreciated when I was booting this up and watching it. I was like, oh, yes. I, I woke up at 5:30 on a Sunday, and I didn't have much to do before going to church, so I did watch this at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, and oh I was my very gosh. happy. I was very happy to be done around 7:15. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are still sleeping. Um, Dedicated. Anyways, I know it was um, done by quite a few production companies: Courier Films, A Films, and FAI Films. But it was distributed by 20th Century Fox, which is probably the more well-known. Uh, entity. The budget was 22 million and it did okay. It did $32.7 million. However, this to me, its legacy is that just as a kid in the nineties, I just remember seeing this film all the time. I remember them home showing video, it, man. The home video. It was shown in school a lot, like on Earth Day.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know,
0: anytime they wanted to kind of show a movie that had something to do with the earth and saving the earth, like Fern Gully ended up being it. So, um, it was actually pushed back. From a release date in November 1991, because they wanted to avoid competition with Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Now, if you don't remember, this is also no, an issue. This is an issue that uh, our friend Don Bluth faced with his movie Rock-a-Doodle, um, and so it ended up competing head-to-head with Rock-a-Doodle. The poor, the poor thing. <laughs> but I know the Duke the direct-
1: didn't hit the roof until much later. <laughs>
0: so and and lastly uh, directed by bill croyer obviously of croyer films which I'm interested to see. What did they do? Did they do anything else other than that? Oh, actually, uh, they did a few little things here and there. They did mostly title animation sequences, for example, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Christmas Vacation, Jetson's movie. Um, they also did a few things in the early 90s, some additional animation for The k- Thief and The Cobbler, which makes me really sad because...
1: Oh, that's, they did that not makes the enemy. <laughs> yes.
0: yes, that is not Richard Williams. Uh, like
2: that we're
1: not going to talk Coeur <laughs> Films doom on anymore. You, doom <laughs> on
2: you. They did. <laughs> he did do Bobby's World though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. His voice freaks me out. <laughs> it was the whole you was what's about this film? They actually started out. Coeur Films actually started out as kind of like you know real effects. They just started out doing mostly commercials. Um, and then these two guys from Australia walked in, and they just said, "Hey, we want to make a movie." And we'll front it if you make it. And they're like, uh, okay, <laughs> why not? And so... Science, dollar science, dollar signs, Right? <laughs> and so what happened was they only had 13 people working for them at the time. They took a small little uh, field trip to Australia, and they spent about a couple, you know, like two weeks or so in Australia. And they just spent time in the rainforest. They spent time just going around and getting ideas and after they got home from the time they got off the plane until it opened in theaters 2 years later they had to grow from 13 to over 200 and get the whole thing written storyboarded drawn inked and painted and filmed and i was like whoa that's a lot to do in 2 years so they hustled
1: oh, with the uh, 22 million behind them i mean but yeah i mean that's an incredible uh, production schedule for 2 years you know going from you know 13 to over 200. It's really interesting.
0: And the good thing for them is that this movie wasn't really a flop. I mean, it it made a budget. It made its budget back and people my age remember this. You know, it was really funny. Sometimes on the the film we talk about, or on the podcast we talk about first thoughts and recollections. And I just, you know, remember hearing seeing this, you know, from time to time. But I was at a pizza parlor a few weeks ago, and they have this little kid area with some, you know, blocks and mini kid chairs. And there was a movie, and they were playing a VHS copy of Ferngully: The Last Rainforest. And yes. a testament to this movie is there are about five children who were, just engrossed with this movie. They were sitting around, they were watching, and this movie obviously did something for them where they wanted to sit down, and I think maybe it was the fact they'd probably never seen it before. I think fairies are interesting. The bat for children is interesting. Um, but anyways, I saw that, and I just sort of did like a, a mini fist bump. I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs>
2: Animation wins again! <laughs> this was actually well, the very first a- uh, film, period, to ever be shown in the U.N., on Earth Day, of course. You're kidding me. No. And it was just
1: like... What, did they gather all the world's leaders around and were like, hey, we're all going to watch Fern Gully." <laughs>
2: Basically, they actually right. had Olivia Newton-John be like the person that was introducing it, saying this is a wonderful film that will change children forever. So, here.
0: Let's get physical, physical.
2: <laughs> Let's get physical. Olivia Newton-John? Yeah, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but one other cool thing about the, not just the the production of this, but how its legacy has kind of continued on. Um, I actually was able, like I mentioned, I had the family fun edition of this DVD, which has two discs. And it had the making of, and in the making of, the director said that his wife was the one who was in charge of all of the hiring. And that she did such a great job in making it such a cohesive group that to that day... Every five years, they still had a reunion for all of the crew. And sometimes 50 or 60 people would show up. And one thing I had a question on is if anybody who is listening to this goes to that reunion, I want to know if it's still going on and... Can we come to
0: (laughs) That would be amazing. My ten-year high school reunion is coming up, and I have no interest in going. However, I I would love to go to the twenty-fifth anniversary party for Ferngully. So
4: much
2: more, (laughs) and I don't even know anyone there.
1: (laughs) How do you go to the Ferngully? That's
2: why. That's why we're putting this out there. I want to (laughs) go.
1: If anyone is out there listening and you are involved in Frangoli and you're going to the reunion, then please let us come.
0: Exactly. Please let us be your plus one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Plus uh. three, mancus.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's go into the movie.
1: All right, all right. Whenever I do my research for these films, I always look on the IMDB message boards.
2: Got to. Yeah, I totally did this time too, and it just made me laugh. I thought it was so humorous looking at some of the the recent posts. The top one was, "Am I alone here, or is Krista hot?" Capital H O T question mark
1: Yeah, that's by this one dude. And then the same guy has another on the top on the top recent posts. The same guy that says, "Bump if you think Krista is hot." H O you know, all caps hot. It's like, this guy really wants his point to get across that he is attracted to this cartoon character. (laughs) But what's really funny... Sure, she's got like this 80s, like, Kim Wilde, Laura Branigan, you know, 80s look, but... I don't know I, I do not
0: I love some of these other ones um scariest cartoon ever was we'll get into this a lot of people seem to have issue with the villain think that he's very scary. Uh, say, yeah. so one guy says uh this was one of my favorite movies as a kid, and then uh, then then we have the uh the person who's the downer rainforest main forest,
1: <laughs>
2: which is
0: well, actually
1: a
2: south Park reference
1: I, <laughs> I wouldn't <suppose>. know
2: <laughs> well in They go in and talk about it. I looked into this, and I was like, what is that? And he's like, his quote was this. I love animals, and I am not for the complete annihilation of trees, wildlife, etc., but rainforests kind of suck. I'm not a fan of preserving malaria, Ebola, smallpox, uh, humidity, cannibals, and those vines that eat people in the ruins.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that movie. (laughs)
2: People are funny. Oh, people are funny.
1: They got a point. Yeah. All right, all right. And here's here's one last thing on the Krista is hot. If you just Google Ferngully Krista, um, I'm doing it right now. Oh no! <laughs> why does I'm, this always like, come up?
0: I will no, include no, no. this In the show notes for everybody. <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Why does this never? Why does this always come up? Um, first first Google search is of course Ferngully Krista. Second Ferngully Krista and Zach. Okay, I get it. Third Ferngulla Krista feet. What? Like the whole foot uh, fetish thing is that prevalent to where it's the third most popular yeah. search for Fern Gully Krista. The other thing. ones are Fern Gully Krista costume, Fern Krista doll, and Fern Krista's father. So it's not like it's not like <laughs> the usual Google search right. r- suggested you know searches. But the, I don't get the whole feet thing. Anyway, I just think it's funny that there's always that entry when you Google things. Yeah. I'm going to look for Grandmother Willow and see if someone <laughs> searched for Grandmother Willow. Feet. Was
0: it just me no, though or Grandmother Willow hot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: Grandmother Willow cosplay hot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know who you
1: me? are out there. Or- <laughs>
2: Does she remind remind you of Demona from Gargoyles? Because <gasps> that is all I could think of. All she needed was a little headband thing, and it was Demona's little cousin. Nice.
1: Let's see. Gar- Gargoyles Demona human, Demona transformation, Demona fan fiction. Oh, boy. Demona and Goliath, Demona action figure. Surprisingly clean.
0: So talking about Krista, we got some voicemails, which we'll read a little bit later, but it was funny how in two of the voicemails... um, they couldn't remember Chris's name, and they just referred to her as the red dress fairy, <laughs> which is red so dress true. fairy. Red dress fairy. So, in this podcast, we will either refer to her as Krista, well, probably only refer to her as Krista, but you might hear red dress fairy pop up okay, in homage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway, so let's jump into the movie. Oh I yeah, we kind of
1: go into the lore of the fairies, don't we?
0: Yes, this is very similar to Watership Down. They go into the lore. Well. And the history, I guess, of, of the bunnies and their mythology. But this, um, very similar type of scene, but I loved it. I felt that the design was really cool and tribal in a way. The animation was not complicated at all. However, I still liked this and just the vibe that it set up from the very beginning.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And of course we have the you know, it's narrated by the the wise woman, Maggie or Maggie.
0: Maggie. Maggie which I think is an interesting name because like Magi is, you know, a wise man or, you know, wise person. And I feel like they just put a spin on that instead of by calling her like Magi, um, just
1: gave it a more feminine twist. Maggie,
0: not Mag. Wait, Magi, right? Magi, Magi. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm getting all confused because there's about 40 different ways to say this word.
1: (laughs) I I believe it's pronounced Eidne. (laughs) But yeah.
0: So we're introduced to Hexus a little bit at the beginning
1: yeah, a foreshadowing, aren't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you got to introduce the bad guy just so people know. Oh,
2: I'm supposed to fear the bad guy. <laughs> fear? There's a trouble brewing.
1: Yep, storms coming. All right. So, what do you all think about the music in this film?
2: You know, I give it a, an okay for it's the most okay. part.
1: Uzma <laughs> Us- Kappa for you, Fern Gully.
2: Uzma <laughs> <Usma> Kappa. <laughs> it's okay. 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 <laughs> the score was actually done by Alan Silvestri, who was, which he's actually famous for another Forrest movie, Forrest Gump. So he, I thought I felt like his did a good job. Um, as far as the music with words, the very I liked the first song, the opening song. I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm enjoying it, and I'm thinking, this is cool. I can get behind this song.
1: You know, the music is very much all over the place in this film. At one point, a random, I don't know if a, I don't know if a goanna is reptilian or amphibian, but it, I, that song was weird and random <laughs> and it made no sense. And well, then, um, ooh, you the, know, rap? The, daddy, oh, yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff.
0: Uh, it's like, oh, of course. Like, there's nothing that dates a movie from the late 80s, 90s more than just some
2: horrible
1: rap. Horrible <laughs> rap by Robin Williams. Yeah. Lord bless and keep him, but he was not meant to rap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, he's... You're talking about the the Goanna song? Or Joanna? I'm not sure which one, because...
1: Well, Goanna. Joanna is lizard. the name of the Goanna in uh, yeah. Rescues Down Enda. There
2: you go. Okay, so the Goanna song was actually written by Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I was of course like, it was.
1: What would Jimmy
4: Buffett <laughs> do?
2: Um, And the reason they put this in there was because while they're on their little excursion to Australia, they were at dinner at a place and this guy was like, hey, there's a goanna right there. Go ahead and chuck your chicken at it. And so they're like, okay. So they just like throw their little bone of chicken at him. And his tongue goes all the way out and like wraps around and like pulls it into his, their mouth. And they're just like, oh my gosh, we need to put this in our movie. We need to have
1: know. a goanna for, some, for, for somehow and, in our movie. And
2: that's the point where they're like, we'll make it fit.
0: So we'll write a song on behalf of this one character we'll never see again. (laughs) We'll have that. It's a regular
1: regular Cinderella moment. I'll make it fit. Exactly. (laughs) I I think the music was neither memorable nor nor very cohesive to me. Like there was there isn't like a one song from this film that I remembered. No. Or that even got stuck in my head or anything.
0: Yeah, that little opening like Chelsea said was okay. Like I remember enjoying it at the time, but I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, no, I can't. And I know there was this horrible rap. I'm, my name is Betty and I, you know, that that's all basically I know. <laughs> and uh yeah, no. Just just Oh, and there is the very somewhat sexual um villain song which I guess we'll talk about later that's
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, that deserves its own discussion point. Yes, when we get there. There's one thing I do know is that panpipes are sexy, and Mr. Redhead <laughs> Mullet Fairy, uh, what's his name? Pips? Like Pips. Christian Slater. Christian Slater.
0: Woohoo, man.
1: Yeah, Slater. That's like such an extreme last name. <laughs> if your last name is Slater, you're like either a, scorer, a parkour. Guy, a base jumper or like a surfer. Isn't there a surfer though. with a last name Slater? Kelly and Slater. Uh, Kelly and Slater. surfs up. Yeah.
0: Well, and he's a real life too. But yes. Yeah, I know that. But he's also
1: <laughs> in penguin form.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I like him a lot. You know, sometimes you have these male foils that, you know, the girl's supposed to like, but she doesn't for one reason or another. And she likes the forbidden foreign guy. Um, but I like this guy. I thought he was kind of like, there was nothing. Gastonish about him that made me not like him.
1: Gaston, of course, being the, the the worst. Or Coco, yeah. you
0: know, Coco. Um, there's nothing wrong with Coco. Um, I always like Coco. There
1: really wasn't. Pocahontas made a poor choice.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know, John. I mean, John Smith's charming and all that, but Coco's a warrior, man. He can protect Pocahontas.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: she... yeah, I don't really mind him either. I, I think like it at the cool. end where she totally runs off with him
2: right well they like they couldn't make him the foil particularly or the the bad guy in any way because
1: there's I mean, already too many bad guys. There's
2: too many bad guys. One, but also like she's gonna end up with him eventually, inevitably. Like you know, they're from yeah. two different worlds. We can't have <laughs> the human
0: I've and the fairy together. <laughs> I don't know but, why not because later they talk about like, oh, you're so different than us. And I'm sitting here thinking like, no, like you, you're physically, your bodies look exactly the same except for you have pointy ears and fairies and he doesn't.
1: Also, he wears much more clothes than all of you. Yes, yeah, so but, yeah. Well, one thing I one thing I do disagree with Hector is his choice of friends to run along, run around with. They're like, who are these guys? They don't even look like fairies.
0: No, yeah, and they're not even like real fairies because they ha- they don't have wings and they have to f- fly around on these beetles.
1: Yeah, you know, in, uh, an epic where they had those like manite fairy dudes that were like running around with Mandrake. It's kind of like that. They're like a different species.
0: Okay, so let's go into uh, just like fa- the fairy world. I think that's one reason why kids like this movie so much is because. It's fairies, and fairies are fun, and they can fly. And I really kind of thought it was cool that every fairy had, like, a certain glow behind them. Kind of reminding me a little bit of lightsabers when they flew. Uh Although it seemed everyone had the same color blue, or was it green? But Krista had a different color. And I think, I don't know if that's just because she was, like, you know, Maggie in training or, you know, old old lady-to-be in training. But hers is different than everyone else's because at the very end when they're all flying in that big circle... Uh, they're all similar, except for her.
1: Huh, yeah, that's a good point. I noticed that some of them seem to have different glows, but then they all turned into the same glow at the very end.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> she's the chosen
2: one. Yes. That's so- why she's getting all these Maggie lessons. Oh,
0: I always loved Maggie. because she was like this old lady, but she had long hair. And I know that sounds really stupid, but not every old lady can pull off long hair, they but too. she was cool. And she had sort of this like really bubbly bulbous fat dress. (laughs) And then when she she flies, there's like flowers follow behind her. And so you know, ooh, there's something special about her. She creates life wherever she walks.
1: Oh, yeah. That's true. Uh, At least they're realistic about animals killing other animals because when she goes above the canopy, the hawk almost kills her.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it is interesting that she's she's never been above the canopy before. I mean... She's never been
1: above the surface.
2: She's never been... Well, how are are fairies created? I mean, are they still created from the laugh of the, you know, the first child that broke into a million pieces? I know, but that's that's the question. Like,
1: that's weird. At
2: what point in time is she? Was she like born older, or was she like?
0: No, yeah. I think she's just been super sheltered, and we just happened okay. to witness her one time where, <laughs> where she got up to the surface and touched the butt.
1: <laughs> well, we don't really, we don't really go into like her upbringing besides. Didn't her. you?
4: <laughs> Nothing happened.
1: But yeah, um, they don't, uh, they don't really go into her upbringing. She has a dad, but he's just kind of like, hey, what's going on? That's like all he says.
0: He's like the Sultan from mm-hmm. 11, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I would, um, uh, I heard there's a sequel. Not sure if it's a prequel or a true sequel, but... I'm kind of interested in her backstory. Find this—I could delve deeper if they did a good job, which they won't. So let's never talk about it again.
4: Never never talk about it again.
0: Okay, so then you know we have the—we're introduced to you know Maji. She's the creator of everything, and you know with this seed, help it grow. To me, like that is something that always stood out to me about this movie—is this like glowing seed that if you know you stick it in your hand, it glows and then you know so you stick it in the ground and things will be okay and that really comes full circle later with
2: zach i when this happened i totally had one of those moments where i was like i totally remember myself doing that <laughs> after watching this and later on when she's just like oh can't you feel its pain like i totally remember myself like pretending to be krista in that way i'm like oh the 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 tree is in pain. Don't rip off its limb. Exactly. But I totally, I, yeah, one of those funny moments that this really does make you, pre- I think that's one of the reasons why you liked it, because it had the mystical elements, plus a little bit of the, you own know, down to earth. Get it? Uh, uh, uh. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> what, what's with the uh, the birds? The two birds <laughs> were like, hey, where are you going? You can't just go over here.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, the guard birds. That are super stylized and we never really see them again.
1: Yeah, they look like Zigzag from uh, Thief and the Cobbler.
0: I kind of have an issue with this movie because the character designs are all over the place. Like, those birds look really cool. Um, They're stylized. Like you said, they kind of look like Thief and the Cobbler-ish. And then you have the fairies that are kind of realistic to the most part. You know, and then you have humans. Some humans are... Realistic. And then you have like the two dopey humans who are super characterized Dying. and you know, big noses and everything's out of proportion. And then you have Hexis, which is like you know, just, just whatever he fun.
2: wants to be. I was so- I was sitting and watching this movie with some friends and my one friend, the moment those guys showed up, he was like, It's Fagin. I'm like, It is <laughs> <laughs> It's Fagin uh, from Oliver, Oliver and Company.
0: Nice. So anyways, that's just oh, one thing yeah. I noticed.
1: Oh, yeah, and then, of course, uh, there's the warning, you know, you know, of course, Hexus is trapped in a tree. But I saw the smoke. Oh, they're probably humans. Well, can't they just release Hexus? Uh, She's like, there isn't a force in existence that can release Hexus. And I'm like, except for superior American engineering, we'll just cut down that sucker with this unrealistic giant tree-cutting machine.
2: Actually, these were Australian engineers.
1: Oh, that's true, I guess. Oh, yeah, isn't this supposed to be set in Australia? Yep. Yep. Which there would be,
2: like, are there rainforests in Australia? Yes. Apparently. They went to the rainforest in Australia. That's
0: what the whole first part of my little thing was. I know, but (laughs) I feel like when. I think of Australia, I think of, like, the outback and the desert, and I don't imagine too many areas of it having... I just
1: saw Mad Max, so I have a very different idea of what, how Australia is. Because
0: I feel like the only reason I say that is if this film was done by an American company, I think it would be set in South America, which is, like, the more traditional type of rainforest that you're used to.
1: Well, I mean, it's the, it's totally debatable, and I understand your frustration, because it's, like, it's supposed to be set in Australia, but no one's Australian in it.
0: N- yes, that's apparently these thing. are
1: American contractors.
0: Yeah, <laughs> all the voice actors are totally American. You know, even Zach. Why we? I, I understand well, the fairies having different accents.
1: Australia to cut down trees is beyond me. Yeah, <laughs> okay.
2: he is. No, he is Australian though. On his little work permit, it but says. But he doesn't
0: speak like he is.
2: I know, but I'm just saying. Like he's like 16, and
0: he's 16. Old. He's 16. That's what it says. Aren't they all 16? Yeah, yeah, that's the magical age. <laughs> Okay, so incoming Batty. My name is Batty, did it? That's all I know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This was Robin Williams. It was actually his very first time playing an animated character, and oh, the things that came for him after.
0: Yeah, good thing he got this out of his system. I mean, he was able to wet his feet and and figure it out, but uh, good thing this didn't ruin his career, (laughs) because it... Maybe potentially could, but it's Robin Freaking Williams, so like nothing really could have ruined his career because he's amazing. And, you know, this just led him to probably his best or, you know, one of his best animated roles, which is the genie. Um but so close together. This came out in nineteen ninety two. Aladdin came out uh nineteen ninety two. So, I mean, these are probably filmed at the same time, but Um, it's just interesting. I I love with, with Batty. I I never realized like as he's just talking, you know, fast talking, he's spattering all these things that he's overheard while at the lab. Like, I think I knew he was a lab sort of bat, Mm -hmm. but I you forget about things when you're little, right? And so, right. you know, he talks about it later. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, he's a lab. They've done all this experiments on him. This way he has, like, an antenna hanging out of his head. But I just loved it. It was so hilarious. One of the, when he's, as he's going in and out of things, he's like, graduate students, please gather around. <laughs> you know that was Robin Williams' improv. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: hi, Helen. That's, like, my favorite line of his. Oh, yeah. Humans, they walk around and they say things like, hi, Helen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. In the making of, they talked about how the voice of Krista, is, who is Samantha Mathis, she goes and talks about how she would say a line, and then she's like, okay, after that, it was just my goal to not bust over laughing and ruin the take, because he would then just go on for 10 minutes of doing <laughs> his own Robin William thing. And I'm just like, this is a hilarious moment. Back in the day when they
0: actually filmed in the same room. I know. So then we're introduced to this lovely 90s rap, which is stupid. (laughs) Just going to say it. I mean, I I try to be open-minded about lots of things, but the rap.
1: I mean, this song was lame back in 92 or whenever I first watched it as, like, a (laughs) barely toddler.
0: Yes. Mason knew. He knew good music when he heard it. Right?
1: I mean, evil humans doing... Animal so testing. Evil. The thing is is like how can we learn from nature if we don't test on how nature works. But anyway. So we've <laughs> we've we've completely vilified animal testing in this rap, so let's check that off of our list for the film. But like <laughs> uh-huh. But like I'm not I wasn't impressed. Not now, not then.
2: <laughs> no,
4: nor was I, I
1: I like his I like Robin Williams's way of delivering lines and his characterization mm-hmm. in his films better than his singing skills. Although um he didn't a friend do a like friend job. like me is brilliant. Yeah. But it's like it, it he didn't have much to work with because it's like they wrote the song for him, you know. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is that song actually came really late in the game and they were one of those it was one of those moments where they sat around and they said, Okay he needs more. We can't just like let this moment go. He's got to have a song. And so that's where this one kind of came from. But because it came so late in the game, they're like, okay, how do we finish it now? And so they decided to do a little bit of experimentation with digital ink and paint. Whoa. And they said that they were the very first movie to use it which i'm huh. not sure if that's completely mm. true
4: but they check. thought they were
2: <laughs> maybe they thought they were um but that's <laughs> that's, that's what they claimed right? <laughs> That's what they claimed. But they did a lot of experimentation with this. I mean, even with computer animation, there is one point where they had this machine that would, like, physically draw out. Basically, it was a, a very complex printer. And they would animate it on the computer, and then the printer would actually print it out. Not just Xerox, though they did do that as well. Um, but it would actually print it out, and then they would go in and hand ink and paint each cell. Um, and they did this for, like, the things like the, the leveler and also that centipede that, like, crawls by all Yeah, like, crazily. That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are some of those moments. And then another one where Batty is flying, which, I mean, at the time it was impressive.
1: Have you ever noticed that when you cut to, you know, like, the human technology, it looks like it was all, like, computer animated, or, or is that that, like, Xerox thing you were talking about, Chelsea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it, they look uh, 3D animated, so maybe it was like a, a way of just drawing out the outline, the contours of the of the polygon, or like yeah. the edges of the 3D animated.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, in oh, a okay. way, it's kind of like, it's almost like they rotoscoped it.
1: Oh, so it's but... just like what AutoCAD did. It just, it's like they animated an AutoCAD drawing for like an imaginary right. machine. Oh, that's cool. But it does give like a different visual style for the humans versus nature stuff. So I guess from a technical standpoint, I I liked that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good use of computer animation. Like we've talked in the early days, it's great for vehicles. It's great for things that aren't necessarily organic. And I didn't feel taken out of the movie by seeing that. I'm not necessarily saying it was computer animation or, or what they did with it, but it worked.
1: So we we start mentioning humans, you know,
0: oh, and then God. of course
1: Krista's like, "Oh,
0: humans! <laughs> Tell me Not more." That one, <laughs> the one playing the
2: snarflat,
0: I mean, <laughs> <you
1: can't> <laughs> play. <laughs> the one with the chainsaw,
2: <laughs> oh, the spray can, ooh, so bad boy.
1: Can we just talk for a little bit about how Zach is such an idiot for trying to kill a fly by spray painting it? <laughs> What I yes, rude?
2: I think I think
0: we need a few minutes talking about this.
1: <laughs> all right, our three minutes talking about Zach trying to kill the fly with a spray paint starts now. Want to skip ahead? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more to be said, but it's dumb. Like Zach does a lot of dumb things. <laughs> Walkmans aren't dumb. Walkmans are cool.
2: He does have a sweet Walkman.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know it- and he's 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 marking all these trees, and then he comes up and uh, he not runs right into uh, hexes is
0: tree yeah could, could like they not put a dead like giveaway a, could they not put like a magical fairy spell on it so no one could come by it and disturb Hexus because Maggie is so sure like no he can't be brought back nothing can bring him back well could you at least have put like a Harry Potter-esque force field around it so no one could do that or you're good it's oh no one's ever going to go 20 miles down the way and find him never
1: but they did right um. Yeah, does Does it look like you should be cutting down that big, scary, cursed tree, you know? Yeah, like, what kind of wood do you hope to get from it? Like,
0: <laughs> well, that's not able, good quality. They're able to get some pretty decent size, you know, 2x4s out of it, so...
1: I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Those aren't very smart contractors, but, you know.
0: A lot of waste. That's not, that's not lean.
1: Mmm, so much waste. Not Lorax approved. Not l- <laughs> For, for yeah, so and then Zach tries to kill the fly with the spray paint. Let's just mention that one more time. It's so dumb. <laughs> Anyway, he does a lot of dumb things. He's like, oh, I'll kill the bat with my knife. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love when he uh, pulls out his, you know, the old school wallet and just all those photos. Like, no one has those Oh, anymore. with his
1: dog and stuff. so cute. Yeah. I know, we have them all on our, on our phone. We don't... Yeah. Like, if someone pulled out, they're
0: like, hey, you want to see my kids? And they like... Fall, fall out. i be like, yeah. okay. Hey, you,
1: sir, <laughs> yeah. are a relic. <laughs> I like when he attacks Batty, and Batty's like, I have but one claw, claw but beware. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
0: Uh, So then we kind of move back to Hexus, because at this point, Hexus has been brought back. um, But he has to win some sort of awards for creepiest villain. I think if Chelsea were to do a, you know, scariest animated villain, he should be up there because he's nasty. I would agree with that. Disturbing.
1: I think he's even more creepy in his, like, little grimer form, you know? (laughs) Hexus, use sludge! It's super effective! You know, it's just all the little, you know, little noises, uh-huh. you know, he's, uh-huh. like, giggling and, and yeah. sputtering and blooping and splooshing, and that's good animation. Like, I think Hexus is my favorite part, like, animation-wise of this film. Yeah. Like, Disney was accomplishing, uh, you know, around that time, I think the movie as a whole suffers in the animation department, but... I mean, obviously, they tried their best, and, you know, I, I could never do anything like that, you know, by myself. And But uh, Hexus, you know, when he's just kind of sludging around, I was really impressed by it. He had pretty cool effects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like him as much in his second form when he's just it's like kind of a blue guy.
0: Ooh, I kind of like um, him. I, I think he's him. so creepy because he has the bones of like in yeah. the skeleton of a human and you start to like oh, yeah. kind of have this uncanny valley, not like totally uncanny valley, but he's tr- kind of becoming like one of us. He kind and- of
2: looked a little bit like, I mean, just the whole transformation for me was a little bit like in Aladdin when Jafar turns into the genie, you know, just kind of like the shape and kind of like how he's moving. And then after that, it was, um, Oh, what is that guy? He's in um, Nightmare Before Christmas. He's like the guy with... Oogie Boogie? Yeah, Oogie Boogie. He totally reminds me of Oogie Boogie right there. You're joking.
0: You're joking. (laughs) I can't believe my eyes. (laughs) Just like that?
2: (laughs) Exactly
6: like that.
0: (laughs) So then we go back to the fairies and, you know, we have Zack and he's been shrunk down and he's trying to, like, show off to Krista, kind of? I don't know. And he shows her fire. And, like, really? You're telling me she's never seen fire before? She lives in a rainforest. I'm pretty sure there's been occasional, you know, little fire outbreaks here and there. Uh,
1: So
4: either she's super
0: sheltered or only humans have access to this, apparently. Apparently. (laughs) There's never been any, like, lightning storm that accidentally... You know, catches a savannah on fire or Pride Rock. No, none of that. Okay. <laughs> none of that. that. Raw movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, really? you know, then, then we have the two ideologies, you know, the two ideologies where, um, how, but how can you live without trees? And, you know, she presents her side and he's his side where he's kind of ignorant to the whole fact he's a human. He's not really in touch with nature. And so they're starting to <laughs> share points of view. Uh, but then, very quickly, we realize, oh yes, this is a terribly dated film with the usage of terms such as bodacious,
2: bad, tubular, you are rad, bodacious babe. <laughs> How to date
0: a film in five minutes or less? Just yeah, any of those work, <laughs> you know. And you know, he doesn't really work because then he starts like ca- carving her name in the tree, and she's like, "What? You, like, can't you feel it?" And and there's this like mysterious thing where you know. She can feel things through her hands and he starts, starts to experience that at different times, but you know, he's basically internally, he's like, crap, I just messed up big, big time and got my girl mad. Right. <laughs> Let's just try to make her forget about this by taking her on her adventurous boat ride and he just like <laughs> pushes her away and it works. She's totally like, okay. <laughs> they start having their magical adventure.
1: Oh, how romantic. Typical. Adventure that's a life for me. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, I gotta show you to all the other fairies. I love how the other fairies are just like totally fine with them. They're yeah. not like, He's a human, you're a fairy, Daddy, I love him. You know, there's nothing <laughs> like that. But yeah, they're they're like, Oh, what is this weird thing? It doesn't even have wings. <laughs> you know, and
2: then Pip is finally a friend with them. Well, at first Pip is like, um, excuse like, me, you're moving in on my girl. I do not appreciate.
1: Oh yeah. And then they go, and, and then, oh, I love how they're gonna like, hey, you wanna like party with us, human? They're like, I can take anything you can dish out. Ding! You know? And yeah. then, uh, and then they're like gonna go off, and then Chris is like, oh, come on, we're just gonna go off in the woods together. I was like, well, <laughs> there we That's go. That's not
2: shady. <laughs> That's not shady.
1: Yeah, but not before he, he soils the airwaves with with modern music. Yeah, like, not not really modern music. It's like from seventies or something.
0: I don't even know. I'm like, who is this guy listening to cool oldies station? Nah, I mean, nah, even nah, in nah, the nineties, nah, nah. that music was old. Hey, well, I grew up in that station. <laughs> cool nineties. I'm 4. not saying 5. it's bad. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't buy that Zach is listening <laughs> to that type of music. I mean, hello, he's wearing a tank top. Cool. It's
1: like a yeah. It's like <laughs> not a saying you're not cool. Teal, teal tank top. Good times and great oldies
0: four point yeah. five so going from the old nineties, then we go into the sappy love song, which is also uh it's not dated, but it is very nineties and therefore yeah. dated dated now <laughs> yeah i mean it's very you know can you feel the love tonight There's, in animated films or even yeah particularly animated films they had sort of this a song like this a, a very iconic moment is this one where they're walking through those puddles and the puddles change color as they I like that step on them i always loved that scene <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds you of, say, like in Robin Hood, where they have that moment where they go out by the lake or whatever. But yeah, this one was (laughs) so much cooler, because it was like, disco, awesome. Disco puddles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then very quickly, this little romance turns to nothing, and then there's the, you lied to me moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, he did. He was one of them. Which (laughs) he was that guy. (laughs) I understood why he lied, because it was like, oh, this is awkward, and now I'm at their like, uh, they, I'm stuck in this form because of her, so I need to kind of appease her because I kind of want to go back to being a human, personally. Right, yeah. So, yeah, anyways. The, all the different fairies, they come together, and they're kind of flying in this big circle. And then it's, in me, I'm thinking, like, ugh, why do all the old magis always have to die? This is like Kung Fu Panda, you know, where the tortoise just floats away and turns into, <laughs> you know, the elements. She does it. I know there are a few other films where that happens, but I'm like, ah, oh. you know, I'm thinking Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi that, you know, he just sort of disappears and, and lets himself die or get killed. And I think it's, it's a, it's an interesting plot voice plot point because for the character or the hero, there's a point where they lose their mentor or their master and they have to step up themselves to yeah. save society or save the universe or whatever. And so this is obviously one of those points where it's like, well, you know, learn. It's kind of just like, I'll push you off and you'll learn how to fly sort of thing because I'm not going to help you anymore. I to <laughs> so help you much. anymore. <laughs> Why did she have to die? I
2: was really bummed.
0: They live like thousands of years and they happen to die in this one movie.
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we were talking about Hexus a little bit earlier, and this is the part where he like turns in and he has his fantastic villain song. I mean, crazy awesome toxic love. <sighs> Equals Tim Curry, love. I love Tim Curry.
0: I love Tim Curry as well. He's so good. This is such a great role for him. I mean, the movie, maybe not so super memorable if you
2: weren't a 90s kid, but he's so great. He played it so well. And the thing is, as we're going, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the guy from Home Alone 2. And then other people were like, because I actually watch this with a group of people. I don't always do that, but every once in a while we get together, you have a couple people that... Uh, watch it up here and um, a lot of people are like I don't remember that one I'm like what okay how about Pebble and the Penguin i <laughs> they're like uh nope and then another friend is like oh he's the guy who sings Easy Street from Annie I'm like
0: yeah <laughs> <Is this Rick? laughs> <laughs> Easy like, Street
2: I knew we'd find some common ground here <laughs>
0: Oh. Yeah, so I really this is the only song I can't really sing it to you, although Toxic Love, I mean I, I know the title very right. well and I can associate it with this film and with him. Um but I, I do like this song in the moment. This is one of the songs that actually works. The Sappy love song, I get it. This is you know, this the like you said, it's the Robin Hood moment. It helps bond people together. It's the Lion King moment. Uh you gotta have a cool villain song. The obscure random Lizard character that we never see again, not necessary, and the '90s baddie rap, <laughs> maybe not also necessary, but villains whatever. But this have. one, they're very good. Yeah. Okay, so then you know we go very quickly, and like we said, this movie's 75 minutes, so very quickly we move to the ending and the resolution and the climax, where there's this like giant battle. And Zack saves the day and is able to stop hexes, which is actually quite scary and threatening because he kind of glossed over it, but he's able to control the humans and kind of convince them to hustle over to Ferngully to chop it down Yeah, And and does so at an incredible pace. I'm not quite sure with that one machine how he was able to chop down so much of the rainforest. But I'm going to look past that because apparently they did. <laughs> uh, and so he arrives at the basically the doorstep of Ferngully, and it's up to up to our feeble little human to save the day. And, and Batty, of course, finally comes into play, where it's like, oh, now we have a use for you. Fly me over there, yeah. On my own wings. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they kill Hexus in the end?
2: Well, in the end, they just he swallows a seed that Krista like goes in and. Like she kind of kamikaze, um, goes in there, plants the seed inside of him. So basically kind of in, in a symbolism of, I'm going to change the heart of yeah. the persons, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that will solve the world's problems. Um, and so at that point she goes in and flies in and he's like, got all, he, he's got all of these plants like coming out of him. He's like, what's going on with me? <laughs> and then nicely, she just like. Falls out of a flower that came out of it, and everyone's happy again.
0: Hooray! Hooray. And she becomes the new Magi. Yay! And has to say goodbye to the human. It's one of those animated films where the guy does not get the girl. She kind of it doesn't happen very often. No, but it works. I, you know, yeah. Glad that didn't (laughs) really turn out that way. Anyways, before we go to our rating, let's do our listener Twitter question. And I've expanded this out to both both Twitter and Facebook because we can't forget our friends over onto Facebook. So we asked the question, why do you love or not love Ferngully, The Last Rainforest? Daniel C. says, it was a movie that the teacher would play when we studied biology slash Earth Day in grade school. It was terrible, he says. Um, Matt Chi says, lived in a logging town for a while. A teacher showed this to the class, and it caused a poop storm. Kids' parents were loggers. In my day, they'd show the Lorax for the same purpose. I didn't grow up in a logging town, but San Francisco, we were cool with it, meaning the Lorax. Catherine B says, I haven't seen the movie in like 11 years, but I do remember it being really funny. I don't love the creepy smoke-slash-oil monster, though. Melissa Kumro says, I would watch it... S- watch it at school for any reason it's honestly a great movie with a solid (laughs) storyline our last one maxfield s says it's the epitome of 90s kish also tim curry so love that and then a few of our responses from facebook he says matt g says i remember feeling disappointed that batty wasn't in it more uh that's about the long and short of it i guess i'll have to revisit sometime to see if i like the animation or music story music choices dang guys 1992 feels so long ago now (laughs) Don't even Chat- remind us. <laughs> Chat Le Chat says I enjoyed the characters, songs and visuals as a kid. But even the seven-year-old me felt insulted after watching it. I was annoyed that every human character in the film is an ignorant, selfish jerk or a mustache-twirling villain. Remember the loggers who inexplicably enjoy cutting down trees? I mean, come on! <laughs> while the forest dwellers are portrayed as beautiful, interesting, and morally superior. I couldn't swallow this heavy-handed tripe even as a child. And I even remember being left with a dislike of the fairies because of it. Something about the way the fairies pride themselves in being better than us humans, while at the same time passionately hating us and hysterically fearing us. Maybe kind of wish that they all would just go extinct. You know, that is a rant which I can I can hang my hat on. I mean, very, very good points. <laughs> Thanks, Shat. <Yeah>. <laughs> um, another, Matthew says, it's just a commercial for environmentalists. Carly says, I love that Robin Williams in, was in it, but that's pretty much it. Hmm. I'm, I'm feeling a trend. Animation-wise, it's not too bad. It's actually pretty nice at some points. And others, eh. Story-wise, it's also, eh. I'm not a huge envirom- fan of environmentalist movies. I think it does give the message a cost to kids, though. But when looking back as older, it's pretty cheesy. Overall, it's okay. It's a good flick to watch on Netflix when you're bored. Yeah, good point. So it seems like the common theme is, eh, I remember watching it as a kid, possibly at school. But I find it interesting that other people sort of feel the same way as we do about the environmentalist message. That I think, while we do enjoy saving the Earth, there's, it can be too much at times. Um, so yeah, anyways, so with all that said, what would you rate this film?
1: All right, so I thought I would not like this movie a lot more than I did and I actually kind of enjoyed it. like they had some cool stuff and Hexus really brought it together for me as as a crazy cool villain. And they did some kind of cool things with the animation. and so I didn't I, I felt like this was a good film with an environmentalist message in that it talked more about a balance of maintaining. You know, like restoring nature versus taking from it. So I will give it three stars. Eh, does that sound all right? All right. Give it three stars. Take it or leave it. It's about all I can do. And, uh, I mean, this wasn't as bad as the film as I thought it would be, I guess.
2: Um, I'm, you know, Mason gave it the three. I'm thinking I'm not able to give it that much. I think two and a half for me. I mean, it was it was watchable for sure. But it's not something that I'm like, I want to watch it again. Yay. You know? So that's where I'm at. Um, I would give it, man, hmm, three stars,
0: to be honest. Like, I don't hate this movie. I actually somewhat enjoyed it. Like, when we were saying that we were going to do this movie, um, I, I didn't go into this being like, oh, I got to watch Fern Gully. Great. It's not really what I'm into. Um, so, and, and like I said, the plot, is actually pretty good. I like how tight it is. It doesn't go off in too many weird ways. Yes, we do have, you know, a side character who's a bit goofy, maybe not necessary. I understand why he's there. But, you know, it's mostly just Krista, um, Zach, and then Hexis. And everything else kind of revolves around that, and it's pretty streamlined to the point. So, since I didn't really hate watching it this time around, I'm just going to get three stars.
2: All right. All right, so now we have the exciting opportunity to hear from you, the fans. Let's hear what Dion said.
4: Hey, guys. Okay, I'm so excited you're doing Fern Gully. I absolutely loved this movie. I still do to this day. Um, I think that some sequences are so beautiful and just remarkable. I think some of these scenes still live up in the lushness of their art today. The magical, mystical elements really resonated with me. I just remember writing stories or basing art projects on the world that Krista and Zach lived in. I was definitely pre-internet fan fiction going on right there. The whole save the planet, green living, humans are evil, and oil destroys everything theme was so on point for the time as well. Captain Planet ruled our prime time, along with Widget and other ozone-friendly programming. This villain... Scared me witless. Oh my gosh! I remember as a lad, I even had a nightmare or two. I mean, Hexus—just saying the name gives me the creeps. I can just hear his hiss-like voice. Um, the music was so forgettable, though. This is definitely no Ashman or Mink collaboration, and I think that the lack of good music contributed to this not standing the test of time. Musically, there is an interesting side note to remember here, is that for Alton John, this was his first foray into animation. And without this, Fern Gully, we may not have had The Lion King in its current state. Go, Fern Gully! Um, clearly, I've got immense nostalgia for this film, and I'm rallying behind that. I actually think first-time viewers will enjoy this more than they think, too. I mean, Roger Ebert gave it a four, a three-star out of four-star ratings, so how bad can it be? First-time viewers go in with an open mind for a little treasure that has since spawned or inspired a multitude of lesser copies. Here's looking at you, awful um, I mean epic and bully. Strange magic avatar. Till next time, guys. Thank you for the consistent, exceptional quality podcast and site. Endless appreciation. Bye.
2: <laughs> I love how he. How bad can it be? Elton John. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, this was the, this was the very first time. I, you know, there's a lot of first for this movie. First time Elton John, first time Robin Williams, first time played in the UN. I, you know, it it was a benchmark film. Okay, our next
0: one is from Mason, also known as Mason 2.0. Hey
5: guys, this is Mason or Mason 2.0. <laughs> concerning that uh Mr. Smith has stolen my name. Anyways, um great show on the little toaster. Um I actually did not notice the whole Toy Story element um in the way that you guys saw it. Um I only saw it in like uh, just character just the characters coming to life. Um yeah there was some parts, you know, that I thought was that was odd, now that I think about it, like the whole forest theme, you know. Um, so, and speaking of forest, Fern Valley. Hmm. Another film that uh was somehow part of my childhood. Yeah, I didn't quite get the whole movie until I like rewatched it this weekend yes, I man- during my own birthday, I managed to put put in time to watch Fern Valley, so that was my 27th birthday, was saving the forest. <laughs> Anyways, um, the only thing I remember was the, what I thought was the Fern Valley, uh fairy with the red dress and the whole weird fact. And I was actually surprised that the bat was voiced by Robin Williams. I don't know how that escaped me, but somehow it did. So, but this film is good. You know, I can see why some people would regard it as one of the better films of the 90s. You know, I put it next to, say, Lamb Before Time and American, and American Tale as well. So... Anyways, uh that's my review for the film. It's good. Um uh, at least it's more watchable than um than a very Little Toaster. And uh it's just you know, it was a little overkill on the uh on the whole pollution thing, but they tried to do it totally, you know. Um uh, it was kind of trying to send Wally's message, but I think Wally did it a lot better. You know. Anyways, have a good day.
2: Bye. Well, happy birthday, Mason 2.0. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to watch it and glad that you liked it better than Brave Little Toaster. I, I also like this better than Brave <laughs> Little Toaster. So did I. I definitely didn't like it as much as Land Before Time or Secret of Nem, though. So that's oh, no. very different. Oh, no, those are an upper echelon from this. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, next one is from Sarah.
7: Hello, Artist. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah called. It's me, Sarah. Um, I'm here to leave my review for the Fun podcast. Um, I'm still in the process of rewatching this one. So far, um yeah, the Bravel Toaster was a lot better than this. <clears throat> um I-, I like the villain and Batty, but not really anything else. <laughs> I'm hoping that Mason will do a Tim Curry impression at some point during this podcast because that would be amazing. Um, Devon would be so much scarier if I didn't already know Tim Curry in roles such as um, – sorry, lost my train of thought – Nigel St. Nigel in Psych and, Spike and um, Nigel Thornberry in the Wild Thornberrys. <laughs> so, yeah, that just kind of makes Devon kind of goofy and not scary to me. Oh, and uh, what's the spice include? <clears throat> Anywho, I can't get this very high rating. I- I'd give it like a one and a half out of five. So, yeah. Bye, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. I love you guys. Have a great day.
2: Sarah, I totally feel your pain with the cold thing, you know. Um, But thank you so much for calling in. We love you, too. Uh, I don't think Mason did an impression in this in this
0: podcast. He's, He's not didn't. with us for the voicemails because he was having bad internet connection. But uh, we'll try to get it on our. Maybe if we do Ferngully 2. Actually, I don't think Hexus is a character in that movie. But <laughs> let us never speak of Ferngully two again. Let us never do.
3: That. Hey, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. It's Marky. Uh, Here, you guys are doing a review on podcast on Ferngully, the last rainforest. So I just called and thought I'd leave a voicemail. This one might be quite short because I honestly can't remember that movie all that well. I saw it only once and it was about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I had heard about the movie and I knew Robin Williams was in it. So I said, hey, let me give this a watch. And like I said, I really don't remember the movie. I just remember I wasn't a fan of it. I remember being bored by the whole premise of the movie, and the only redeeming factor I found in it was, you know, the late Robin Williams as Buddy Coda. And then uh, I actually put myself through the torture of watching the sequel, which, uh, that's another fun barrel of monkeys right there. But, um yeah, so, I ain't got much to say about uh, Ferngully, but looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Bye.
0: So, speaking of Ferngully 2, dang it! We have Mark, and um, yeah, I've never seen the sequel. I guess I'm somewhat familiar there there was a sequel,
2: but I have no intentions on watching it. I second that. (laughs) All
6: right, and last but not least, Miss Katie. Okay, this is my... Voicemail for Fern Gully. I first saw this movie when I was in second or third grade, I think. I think it was third grade, and I really liked it because I, th- I thought it was cool. One, I'm a big art- environmentalist, like I already said. Two, I um, I don't know. I like fairies and stuff. I think um, the mythology spin on it was really cool. I rewatched it a little bit ago when I found out it was on Netflix go Netflix. I mean, sometimes they have really cool movies from my childhood. Sometimes they have things like Bolto 3, and I want to watch the first Bolto. Um, (laughs) I, my favorite parts, okay, so it has like two weird songs in the movie, which I'm sure you guys will talk about, but it's like the creepy, oily, toxic song, which I like the animation during that. I think it's like the toxic moving and sticking and oil and stuff. It looks really cool. I always found that entertaining. But the song is just kind of like I don't even, I can't even sing anything to you. It's not, neither of the songs are memorable. And then the wacky song by the, by the bat. I like all of the, like, background songs, like the cool, like, um, mystic background noise and stuff. And, but there are only two actually sung songs and they felt really out of place. Um, and I just, like, I don't know. This movie is always really cool to me. It has, like, that somewhat, I didn't even remember the long-haired, orange-haired pixie dude. I did not think he was anything. All I remembered was a human that was shrunk and the girl with a red dress. Are there any names said in there? I don't remember any names off the top of my head, and I just watched this, like, a few months ago, along with Brave Little Toaster. Yay. So, I also really liked the old, um, woman that was teaching the younger red dress fairy. I'm just gonna call her the red fairy, because she's wearing a red dress. Anyway, um, I just thought she was spunky and kind of cool, and I liked her super poofy dress. I thought that was awesome. I liked everybody's clothing. It's like, really earthy, but at the same time kind of, like, cute. Like, the, um, red dress girl was kind of wearing, like, a Tinkerbell-ish dress. The, um, top was a little more jagged, I think, but, like, the bottom was almost the exact same. And then... Um, I liked the water scene where she was walking on water and stuff, and the most scene I remember vividly from the third-slash-second grade viewing was, like, when the guy was walking down the stream, and he put his hand on the tree, and he actually felt it. I'm just like, yes! He gets it! He understands the meaning of being nice to the Earth. I think it's very important for people to realize that we are killing this Earth, and I do not like logging. That's bad. And... Um, by the way, I do not think, um, they pinned all of the, um, all of the blame on humans in this one, like I think you said in the Once Upon a Forest episode, I think it was just that there's this, like, evil spirit of pollution and bad stuff that kind of took over their vehicle, and the humans were just kind of collateral damage, they were just like, oh, this is our job, we're doing a, oh my gosh, something bad happening, we need to stop, we're wrecking things, no, get out! and i they tried to fix it the best they could so you guys are awesome and i have a quick request for you guys mason you are going to hate me but i want you guys to do my little pony friendship is magic equestria girls yes and mason i do request you be there i think that would be awesome love you guys podcast you're hilarious bye oh,
0: All right, guys, that is all we have for episode 95 of the Animation Addicts podcast. For all show notes, definitely go to rotoscopers.com slash 95. That's where you can find links to buy the soundtrack, to rent the movie. If you don't have Netflix or Amazon Prime, um, you can watch it for free there. But if for some reason you're itching to own this on Blu-ray... I have all those links right there. Also, a few links to particular things we talk about in the episode in particular. So go check that out. It's a great resource. Also, when you're there, give us your review of the film. What did you like about this film? What didn't you like? Start the discussion in the comments below. The three of us are in the comments You know, for about a week or two afterwards commenting with you guys. It's a lot of fun to hear what you guys think about the film. To contact us, send us a voicemail at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails 406-646-6575. That's where you can give us reviews of upcoming films that we're going to do and uh, try to keep them short. We have about a two limit, two minute limit. So try to keep it about at that two minute mark. So that way we can include so many because I'm so happy we're getting so many more voicemails now, which is great. So yeah, give us a call. And, of course, the newest thing which I am so excited about is Patreon. This is a way that you can support us by providing a monthly contribution to keep the show running. We have various perks and things that you guys will get for being a patron, such as access to the patron-only Facebook group, our monthly call-in show, where you can ask us anything. And, we, you know, I'm really excited for that because it really will just be like a grab bag of all sorts of animation discussion that we can't really talk about on the normal show because we have to be very focused on one movie. But that's going to be awesome. So definitely subscribe and support us on Patreon, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon, or rotoscopers.com slash patron, in case you spell either way. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate links, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. We also have some international links. Our friends at Canada can also use rotoscopers.com slash CA. And for other countries, go to the show notes to use that link there. If you like audiobooks, we've got you covered with Audible. rotoscopers.com slash Audible. And of course, if you haven't gotten your hands on the Rotoscopers t-shirt, give it a buy. rotoscopers.com slash store. And you can pick one up before they're gone. They are running out and we are giving some away uh, for different levels of being a patron. So if you want one, definitely get it because we are not going to reprint these ones. Anyway. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We love when you leave us a review. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to those who have. It's an easy way to support the show and yada, yada, yada. I mean, you guys hear this every single time. I say the same stuff. Social media, <laughs> Morgan Stradling, Mason, SMTX, and Chelsea Robson. Boom. Yay. That's it. So people have suggested that we keep our calendar on the front page of the website. A lot of people like to look at that because it gives people chance to watch the film in advance. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you go to RoseCruppers.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom. That's where I have a list of upcoming films. So we're going to do Simpsons movie next and then Peter Pan after that. So I'll have links where you can rent or buy the film so you can keep up. And yeah, get ready for the Simpsons movie. Chelsea! Yay!
2: This is our moment to shine.
0: It is. All of our Simpsons knowledge coming together. Boom. So until next time, that's all we have until we visit the amazing world of Simpsons. So until then...
1: We we are the like mm-hmm. up for my alarm in the morning. Hello. And Hi. it's a it's a delicate balance between finding something that'll wake me up, but also isn't too jarring for Shanna because she she's pretty particular. So there are two so- <laughs> two songs from like a psychedelic metal band that I like, and they're like the only acoustic ones, and so they they do a good job. Oh, I thought I you were
0: leading into this with "There are two songs from Ferngully." That
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they should do like a hard rock version of Toxic Love. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Significant amount of rain for May. Like it, honestly, it feels like San Diego right now, which really? we should oh. be in the hundreds and you know getting to the point where you're like, "Oh, summer, Arizona, Not summer, nice, summer."
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it, like, the whole weather changed over here. And I've never had a problem with allergies, but this year, holy mackerel, it killed me. So, like, for two, three days, I completely lost my voice. And it's still, like, barely coming back. And I have this horrible cough still. But I'm like, man. I got a question, Chelsea. (laughs) What?
1: So you're going to Berkeley, right? Right. I mean, most awesome music school ever are you like allowed to lose your voice if you're at See, berkeley like do they dr- do they like kick you out of class if they're I like, hope not. They're I'm, like, Miss Robson, your voice is not in pristine condition.
2: <laughs> See, what's funny is, like, I'm, everybody who goes to Berkeley goes with an instrument. And so I'm going as voice as my instrument. I'm like, It's like your wand. <laughs> it is. It's very powerful and mystical. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm guessing you're going. bringing your guitar.
2: Of course I am. I have two guitars, and her guitar. A
0: I guitar, wish.
1: Oh, I want.
0: <laughs> Basically, one of the coolest instruments to come out. I'm the 80s. too nerdy to not
1: have one.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: I suppose if I went to Berkeley, I'd do the harmonica. I would major in harmonica art.
2: For the April science. <coughs> for April Fools this year, they put out a video saying that the new. Um, The new instrument that they will be allowing would be the kazoo, and this guy like goes off for like ten minutes about how the kazoo is such a wonderful instrument.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm honored of classical instruments. Exactly, (laughs) it was good
0: Clowns and you know comedy acts alike
1: slapstick comedy, yeah.
0: Readd the Mason. Poor Mason. (sighs) Poor Nana.
1: (laughs) Poor Nana. Anyway. What
0: about poor father?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good one.
0: Oh, uh, we gotta do it soon.
1: Alright, well, I might have to s- set out the ending just because I don't know what's going on with my connection, but I can at least finish this with y'all.
0: Okay. Oh, the kid in King Arthur's court? Yes, please <laughs> talk about it.
2: <laughs> oh, we
1: may have lost Mason. Like, I tried to
2: add him, but then he wouldn't... We are almost
0: done. Like, we just have, like, six more bullet points.
1: Yeah, That's with- got from the call. Is everything okay now?
0: Yeah. Hello? Two plus two. Four. Like <laughs> your favorite thing? <laughs> okay, no delay. <laughs> I do remember seeing that movie in theaters. And I remember there was a short that played before it. It was, like, a, a goofy short.
2: I don't... That was one that I wanted to see, but I never ended up seeing.
0: Darn it! Why don't we branch off into enough <laughs> animated, weird, obscure Disney movies? Maybe when we run out of enough animated films, we will, you know, include some Disney ones. That yeah, are, there you go. But so that's probably
7: like six years down the line.
0: But that's okay.